I'm your host, Isaiah Coban. It's May 27, 2022, and this is Lift and Learn episode 88. In this episode, I'll be talking about what to remember when you're cutting and what exactly knee sleeves are used for. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's Isaiah.Copan. And you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at Lift and Learn Podcast, on Twitter, at Lift and Learn Pod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. I've been getting some questions from clients this week about some differences between working out when I was younger compared to how my training is now. So a little background first, I started working out in my early 20s, not as early as I would have liked, but that's just the way it worked out for me. So I've been lifting for almost 10 years now, which isn't that much time compared to other people in their early 30s who may have been working out for half of their life already at this point, but that's just the way my journey has been. I got into the lifting game late. And there's absolutely a difference with the way I approach everything, diet, sleep, stress management, and especially how my training is nowadays, as opposed to how it was when I first started. Oh my god, if I could tell you all the dumb stuff that I did, uh, that, I was, that I did when I first started training, oh my goodness. I've mentioned it briefly on here before with my Humber College friends. That's when I first got into lifting and started studying all of this. So that's when, that's what really started it all. But those times, training sessions were intense with my gym partners, who I'm very thankful for. They initially took me under their wing. We'd be watching YouTube videos of people lifting during class to get hyped up before a workout. I might even take some pre-workout. I just remember the times I'd dry scoop some pre before a workout. Those were some good times. Talk about intensity and That's not even the training part of it. That's just to prep myself for the workout so I can go as hard as possible. In terms of training intensity, yeah, that meant going to failure every set. And because we'd watch those YouTube videos, it would be some pro bodybuilder doing drop sets and all of these advanced training techniques. So I figured that was the way to get big, just full intensity. So I trained the way they did, stupidly. And you know what, I definitely did make gains over those first few training years, but the amount of times I was overtraining at the time was just too many times. That explains why I'd have to randomly take off a week or two off from the gym to deal with some nagging pain in my knee or my elbow. Those were the common areas I'd get some signs of overtraining. I'd feel pain like right in my joints. That meant a lot of time I spent in my younger lifting years were actually building back up to a relatively heavy weight, then having to deal with a slight injury, so I'd back off the weights for a bit again, then I'd build up again for a few more weeks, and then have those overtraining symptoms come back again. But me at the time, I'd push myself through those situations to try to squeeze out as much gains as possible, basically just digging myself into a deeper and deeper hole when it came to overtraining, and then hurt myself more seriously. 
Luckily, I've never had a super serious injury from the uh, from the gym. No pec tears or anything like that. No bicep tears. But even though small nagging pains can keep you from making steps in the right direction, they're going to stop you from making progress. That's something I've definitely learned uh, that I've definitely learned from now from myself and from training clients for so many years now. It's actually pretty easy to overdo exercise if you're someone who's pretty consistent with training in the first place. I've had one of those clients actually, he was telling me he was planning on starting to jog three times a week. Now, when I talked to him more about it, the running program wasn't that intense, but just adding something you don't do regularly on top of resistance training, then maybe some yoga on the side. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of work. That's giving your body much more work or much more to recover from. It might be more than your body can handle. So it's good to just ease into any other exercise or new exercise that you might be adding into your regular routine. That's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. Because over the years, I've built up that experience, learned from my mistakes and the mistakes I've had from training others. So I'm always trying to approach fitness in a way where it'll be sustainable for the rest of your life for long-term results. That means listening to your body and deal with the signs it's giving you. I already made so many mistakes in my younger years, so I'm on here because I don't want you to do the same thing. I've become wiser over the years in terms of training, that's for sure. Just thinking back on it now, like it's not sustainable to train with such a high intensity forever. We're all going to get old. I mean, for just a regular person who's trying to get healthy, training looks a lot different from what you might see on social media. So now being in my 30s, my training is a lot more calm and focused and I have a game plan, but I'll dive into that later. Now, because I'm training smarter, that also means I know generally what I'm going to do when I get into the gym. Plus, I'm not even getting that close to failure on most of my sets during the week, but I am challenging myself enough to get to that RPE of 8 out of 10. As opposed to me being younger, thinking that pushing yourself at a 10 out of 10 rate, as hard as possible, would be the optimal way to gain strength and muscle. It's not. Just letting you know now, at least for most of the population. So speaking of being more smart with my training, I said I'm calm and focused and have a game plan when it comes to my workouts. That means I'm following a good training program where I'm adding more reps or weight to my exercises consistently, but nothing too intense of a jump. And I'm not going to increase my own weights if I'm going through the warm-ups and don't feel 100%. If like, um, For example, if I feel like during my dynamic warm-ups and stretches that I feel some kind of tightness, I try to do some kind of stretch or movement that alleviates that, regardless if I can or I can't. I'll get into my uh, my warm-up sets and see how my body feels. Like, let's say for deadlifts, since that's one where I want my body to feel perfect before getting into those, since it's still a relatively new exercise for me. So I'll warm up with the plate, 135 on each side, go through the whole range of motion for multiple reps. I'll start off doing slow negative reps. Then I may speed them up if I feel like my muscles are firing correctly. But even if I can't lift a heavier weight that week compared to last week, that session can still be spent doing a lighter load, so a lighter weight on the bar than just practicing the movement for maybe more reps. That can still be a good workout. That way, you're not like me when I was younger. I'd ignore the pain, push through. My game plan says 350 pounds today, but my hamstring is a bit tight. You know what? 
I'm going to push through anyway because I'm not a pussy. Anything for the gains. That's old me. Now, new me knows now that it's not all about the weight in order to make a positive change on your body or, more importantly, your health. So, let's go through my week because it started off pretty rough but got better as the week went on. I don't know what happened Sunday night. Oh my god, just thinking about it now. Monday morning, I was tossing and turning all night, and I actually got up around 1 in the morning, and then before 1.30, I realized I wasn't going to get any sleep, so I had to get up, walked around the house for a little bit, and then, yeah, that's when it all started for me. My stomach was already hurting before bed, and it was bound to happen, so threw up a little bit, and then I thought it was okay to go back to sleep after that. An hour later, 2.30 in the morning now, threw up again. Sorry if that's too much information, but I mean, I guess it's too late now. But I guess I did have some kind of food poisoning, even though I only ate food I cooked. So I guess lesson here is don't let me cook for you. I'm not really exactly sure what it was. I had dinner that night around 6 p.m. And then I had a protein shake around 8.30. And I just remember, uh, I just remember that night my stomach was already a bit upset going to bed. My best guess is that it's probably from the shake that I had, probably not the food. I actually haven't been having protein shakes lately because I feel like I usually do get my desired protein intake from food. I can get around 150 grams of protein per day just from eating, so I usually don't need to have a shake, but I've been having them maybe two or three times lately as opposed to every day when I was younger. That's just to push up the protein on some of the days of the week. But lately, probably the past six months or so, my stomach has actually been getting upset after I have my own shake, but so far everything has stayed down (laughs) until that day. Now, I don't know if it was from the shake or my food, but on days where I am having the protein shakes, I know that it's just not an enjoyable experience most times, not like when I was younger. I don't know what it is, but there has been signs that I've been ignoring lately. I've been getting this cookies and cream protein powder and I'm mixing it in with chocolate milk in hopes that it would taste super good. And that's because I was spoiled when I was younger and when I didn't know anything about supplements. I used to get this cookies and cream protein powder from uh, Synthesix. I think they're BSN supplements or something. And that was the bomb, mixing that in chocolate milk because there were actual like cookie crumbs in it. So, oh my God, it was so good. But what I didn't realize at the time was that those Synthesix protein powders from back in the day, they were loaded with sugar, and that's probably why it tasted so good. I haven't checked out their brand in the past, like, seven years now, so I have no idea if that product even exists, or if they reduce the sugar content in their powders, or if it's the same formula now. Regardless, that was great to have back in the day, and up until now, I've never had a protein powder that tasted better than that one. That was the ultimate combo. Fast forwarding to now though, I think after all of this time of having protein powder, way specifically, I think over the past year or so, I might have developed an intolerance that I've been avoiding, so I may have to try some plant-based vegan protein powder or something. I think I'm going to just avoid supplementing with protein for the time being because that was not a fun experience to start the week. After that though, training went pretty normal. Even though it was all over the place, because the past weekend was a long weekend, I didn't get the train on that Monday where I threw up, but I did do a quick workout on the Sunday, 
took Monday off because of limited gym hours, got back on track starting Tuesday. Uh, what did I do? I did an upper, lower, up, upper split there. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Not sure if I'm going to get in a workout today, which is Friday, but I will have to go back to work at the gym later tonight after I edit this. So I might do some accessory work, some traps and abs maybe. I can do that later tonight. In terms of my diet, started adding a few new foods into my daily meals. I've been consistently eating seeds, so more nuts, specifically sunflower seeds, some baby bok choy, cashews, pecans, and I tried frying some plantain this week too. It was pretty good actually. On the third attempt, I finally, I think I got it down pat. Like I said, I started a bit of a cut right now, dropped around three pounds from last week. That kind of weight loss isn't sustainable because the first few days or weeks of the cut will be mainly water weight. The cut hasn't affected my training yet, which is good to see. If you've been listening to my podcast since last summer, you may remember this. I got into golfing more last summer when COVID had the gym shut down. I met these two senior dudes who I ended up playing with on a weekly basis. And one of them emailed me a few weeks ago and we scheduled up a tea time for the morning of this podcast. Unfortunately, it was canceled. So maybe we'll get in around next week. Damn, man, over here, we had a tease of what summer felt like a few weeks ago. Then the past two weeks or something, we've had some pretty average weather. This morning has been rainy, so we canceled ahead of time. Even last weekend, there was this crazy half hour of weather that came out of nowhere. It was such a nice day, like high 20 degrees Celsius with the sun just beaming. I literally just took off my sweater and I was just in a shirt outside. And then all of a sudden it started getting just crazy. There was some alert sent to my phone about thunderstorms or tornado warnings or something. Yeah, the winds were like blowing really hard and then the rain started. Where I was, we didn't get it that bad. Some trees fell. I saw the aftermath, but nothing major. But Uxbridge, where some of my family lived, they actually ended up having a tornado. Luckily, my family is okay, but I saw this picture of some restaurant which isn't that far from their place, and it was destroyed. A few more things before I go. I won't talk too much longer here. I'm glad to see Connor McDavid going to the Western Conference Finals. That's hockey. I love the way he celebrates every goal. He just celebrates so hard. He had a sick OT winner last night in the game where Calgary should have won, but there was a terrible just absolutely terrible no-goal call against the Flames towards the end of regulation. And today is Friday the 27th. Lots of shows to stream today. There's Stranger Things Season 4, if that's your thing. I checked the duration of the episodes this morning, and they're super long. I think it's about six episodes, and each one is like an hour 20 minutes, and the finale is an hour 40 minutes. That's... That's insane. It's like every episode is a movie, so I'm probably going to have to break that up in multiple segments. But more excitingly, Obi-Wan is back. Let's go! Oh my god. Ewan, 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 Ewan McGregor? Yeah, and Hayden Christensen. He's Darth Vader, so the old gang is back again. I'm excited to watch that one for sure. There's two parts up right now. They're less than an hour each, so those episodes are actually manageable. Question 1. What to remember when cutting weight? 
Now that I've started going through a bit of a cut and so have some of my clients, I figured it would be a good time to just give y'all some of my quick thoughts about what to remember when you're looking to lose weight or lean down for the summer or whatever time frame you're on. First off, don't skip meals. Something like intermittent fasting, they may work temporarily, but we're thinking long term here. What's your plan when you want to reintroduce another meal into your life? If you reintroduce breakfast back into your life, then what? Without proper planning, you'll start to gain some of that weight that you lost. You're going to gain it back, most likely. In terms of what you should be eating when you're leaning down, obviously, a variety of whole foods would be best. I talked about this one last week. Yes, it's a lot easier to eat highly processed foods in terms of calories. You can just keep eating and eating highly processed foods and just keep racking up the calorie intake. Have you ever tried to stop yourself from eating only a little bit of ice cream or just have one donut? It's hard. They're made to make you eat as much as you can. Whole foods are going to have, you know, the nutrients that your body will actually need and it'll fill you up more than the highly processed foods will. Essentially, you'll eat less calorie-wise if you stick to having more of a diet centered around whole foods, and they've done studies on this to prove it also. You'll just naturally eat less calories if you stick to more whole foods. That's why it could make a huge difference in terms of the way you feel and should help you lose weight if that's your goal. It's like a natural way to lose weight or at least maintain a healthy body weight. Of course, tracking calories are important. Staying under your maintenance calories as much as possible and paying attention to the individual macronutrients, most importantly the amount of protein you're getting in. I think it's also good to not drop the calories too much at first. Cut out 250 to 500 calories from whatever you're currently eating and you should see a slight drop in weight. That's a pretty good pace for long-term success. And then you slowly cut from there if you notice any weight loss plateaus you get stuck at for around maybe 5 to 10 days or something like that. But tracking is your friend. Track your weight every day and notice trends. Don't just get down on yourself if your weight goes up one day even though you were in a deficit. You'll notice pretty quickly that your weight fluctuates on a daily basis. Don't overreact to those weight fluctuations. People are usually quick to adjust something if they see their weight go up one random morning. The best thing to do would just be to trust the process, track your weight every day, notice the trends. You should be going down if you're doing things properly. Especially at first, it's pretty easy to lose weight, but it will get harder as you get to a lower and lower weight. Now, on to exercise. Of course, that's important. Don't put too much emphasis on doing a bunch of cardio to lose whatever weight you're trying to shed off. This is why I always say to resistance train, lift weights during your off-season Gain strength and muscle, pushing the calories higher in the off-season so that you're building up your metabolism. It's a lot harder to out-train a bad diet. It's easy to eat calories as opposed to burning off calories. I mean, it takes a minute to eat a donut, and that's going to take you like a half hour to burn off. Why can building up a metabolism help you in the future? In the off-season or some kind of bulking phase, if you can get to a point where you're eating north of 3,000 calories... That's just going to make the cut so much easier because you have so much room to move down there in terms of calories without even adding a crazy amount of cardio. Instead of starving yourself, eating only 1500 calories to lose weight, maybe that means eating 2500 calories and achieving the same results. 
There's a lot of room there to go down in the future. Maybe that means now eating 2,300 calories and losing weight. You're just in a much better place that way. You shouldn't be ramping up the amount of cardio right away when you start the cut. You want to lose weight using food first and then bring in the cardio or ramp it up towards the end because you don't want your calories to get too low. Like if you're eating 1,500 calories and then also doing two hours of cardio every day, that's not really something that you're going to want to do and you won't feel great about yourself. It's a lot of time and stress added on, especially if something gets in the way of doing your hour or two of cardio, which can happen, which throws off your weight loss progress. You just don't want to get to a point like this. Plus, not to mention, your body will actually adapt to the amount of cardio you're doing. I think it was on a Stronger by Science podcast episode pretty recently. They were reviewing a study on cardio, additive versus alternative cardio. Additive would be like doing 400 calories on the treadmill and then just saying, okay, that's going to affect my net calories for the day so I can eat 400 more calories because I burned off 400 calories. Whereas alternative cardio is like when you're doing 400 calories on the treadmill, but after doing that for a while, those 400 calories actually really only burn like 380 or 350 calories, even though the machine might have said 400. And that's due to the adaptation process that's going on. This study actually shows that if you go by the machine that says you burned 400 calories today, that might not really be what's happening in your body. It could be more like 380 after a while, or even 350 calories after a few weeks, just because of how quick your body adapts to that cardio signal. And that's yet another reason why it's not the best way to just always go by these numbers. In terms of resistance training or actually lifting weights, I don't think you need to drop the volume of your training at all. It might be good to switch up your programming though. Usually people have the notion and get it in their head that they're going to lose all of the strength, but if you cut the right way and approach it properly, the first few weeks shouldn't be difficult at all if you got your metabolism to a high enough number and if you continue to just keep working hard. Some other easy hacks I also like to do, I like to walk after most of my meals, I like to park the car like as far as I can when I go to the gym or the groceries, people hate me for it. Things like that. It just makes you work harder during the day. There's more steps there throughout the day. Make use of your time wisely. Don't just sit around. Be active when you can. Mobility drills during your TV time would be great sometimes. Doing household chores can also be great to do. Cleaning could actually burn a ton of calories, even though it's not traditional weightlifting or resistance training. Another thing I like to do is I always wash my own car. I will never, ever use those traditional car washes on my own car. That's just the lazy way I feel like. I'll spend time washing my own car. It gets me outside, moving. I'm getting into some deep squats during those cleaning sessions too, trying to get the wheels and the bottom half of the car where all the dirt is. I'm trying to get rid of it all. If you do get hungry, vegetables and some kind of greens will be your best friend, so you better start getting used to them. They're super low calories, and you can basically eat as much as you want calorie-wise. Water intake, that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with eating. Get to a point after your meals where you're satisfied. Not full or stuffed to the point where you can't move. Get to a point where you're satisfied with how much you ate. Don't eat with your eyes. And then at that point, drink some water, give yourself some time and that food some time to settle in there. Then you can reevaluate and see if you really are still hungry. 
Your cut should also be done mainly by food intake, not by ramping up exercise as much as possible. If you start your cut already doing more than 30 minutes or even an hour of cardio, along with cutting your calories, chances are you're going to see some progress, even some quick progress those first few weeks. But again, long-term goal here. You want to lose as little weight as possible going forward, so that's like 1 to 2 pounds per week. Make sure that you're planning ahead and judging from that kind of timeline, so that means 8 pounds a month is the max you should be losing if you're already in decent shape. If you're overweight or obese, then yeah, weight loss will come a little bit quicker because you have more to lose. So those are what I think are the most important things to consider if you're someone who's looking to lose weight and be a bit more healthy. Don't obsess too much about the way you look or whatever the scale is telling you. Every single day that you're moving more and you're exercising, those days are going to pay off if you're just choosing the right forms of exercise and the right meals throughout the day. If you're stuck in a plateau, change just one small thing and go from there. Question 2. Tell me about knee sleeves. Okay, so I've never personally used knee sleeves on a regular basis, but if you're someone who does or you're interested in it, okay, let's talk about it for a bit here. There's a few ways you can wrap your knees for lifting. You can do the band method or using a wrist wrap or something like that around your knees, or you have those actual knee sleeves that you have to like struggle to get them on, and they're both generally for the same purpose, I feel like. I'm pretty sure the main benefit that knee sleeves gives you Uh, They're meant to protect your knees. It warms them up, maybe a little bit. The knee sleeves, they work similar to a lifting belt. They just create a bit more stability by adding that compression and support for your knee. Ultimately, you'll be able to lift heavier weight during a squat or whatever other type of knee flexion and extension movements you want to do. Now, how much it'll help increase your weights, it's going to be different for everyone. Sometimes it'll only give you an extra 10 pounds, but some people could find maybe... 100 pounds or even more that you can lift it just depends on how it makes you feel when you try it for yourself but yeah you'll notice more stability and it'll also take a little bit of getting used to also so that is something if that's something you want to try out start with something light at first as you get used to that new feeling before starting to try to get a new squat pr They'll help you a little bit, but they're not like bench shirts or those bench press shirts, which some people lift like an extra 300 pounds wearing a bench shirt compared to not wearing one. If you have some pain in your knees, they may help also, the knee sleeves. You're going to have to try them out for yourself to see if they help you. I think for average lifters, I don't think you should rely on them all the time, but again, that's up to you. I know the hardcore lifters, those people squatting more than three plates, they might use it all the time. There are exceptions to the rules. I still think you shouldn't rely on them though. You should warm up your knees doing your mobility or dynamic warm-ups instead. It'll always be safer on your joints to lift a weight that's lighter for you and getting like 5 to 12 reps per set if you're planning on sculpting your body. You should be able to move with your own body weight without extra support. I mean, what are you going to do? Like next time you need to squat, you're going to take out the knee sleeves from your bag? Like, it doesn't make sense. You should be able to do a squat or feel comfortable with your own body. That being said, though, the knee sleeves could reduce pain and discomfort if you're someone who feels a bit of pain there in your knee. So if you want to use them all the time, that's really up to you. So coming back from an injury, this could help ease you into that process of squatting or leg pressing again. It could make it a bit easier to get back into it since it has that 
it gives or it gives you that added support. Then over time, as your knee gets stronger, you can decide whether you want to squat without them or not. Like I said earlier, they may take some getting used to. It might take a month or so to actually feel comfortable moving around in knee sleeves. So if you're interested, I think it's something that you can try out and see for yourself whether you like them or not. Personally, I've never found a reason to use them consistently, but maybe I'll try them out in the winter time and see how they feel. And that concludes episode 88 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast. <laughs>